This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Dora County Pulse podcast. My name is Deb Fitzgerald. I'm editor of the Peninsula Pulse. And today in the Bailey's Harbor studio, we have Dan Kane. Dan is the Director of Emergency Management and Communications for the County of Door. Welcome, Dan. Nice to have you. Thank you. So today you have a, a lot of responsibility in your position, but there is one thing that, you know, we're talking about lately, and that is the shortage that you have at the 911 call center. We just did a story about it in the Pulse, and that was precipitated by three committees that came together to try and boost the employment package that you're offering employees who take these positions. So that is kind of the the background for why we're sitting here today. But first, let's get to know you just a little bit. Dan, how long have you been in the position? Just short of five years. Uh, May will make five years. Okay. And just a brief overview of everything that you are responsible for. I know that we talked to you quite a bit over the past couple of years due to the pandemic. Sure. In a nutshell, I have really three distinct, I'll put them in buckets, if you will. One is emergency management. This is more of what we refer, I refer to it as more FEMA at the local level, planning for disasters, recovery, uh, response when needed. The second one is the communication center, right? The 911 center, managing that center and, and overseeing that part of the department. And then the third bucket is more of our communications infrastructure, right? So radio towers and all the stuff that we do to be able to talk to each other in public safety. So really those are my three main focus areas. Okay. And number three, bucket number three is also quite a big issue that's coming up. I understand that the entire system is being revamped. Yeah. It basically, without getting too technical in it, sure. the the system that we have now is is a little bit outdated. It's worked well for us to this point. Um, it's It's been a great system, but at some point, physics is starting to take over, and as technology continues to improve, there's, I think, other ways that we're going to need to move into the future for radio communications. Okay, and you're talking mostly emergency radio communications, correct? correct. Public safety radio communication. Correct. Okay, yep. so we'll be talking again in, in the near future about, you know, that project and, and what's happening there. But when did you start this position? May of 2018 was when okay. I started, yeah. And so what was your background prior to this? My background was always, uh, I was always interested in public safety, starting in high school, I uh, knew that I wanted to be in some sort of public safety role that led to kind of a law enforcement emphasis. And so I, I followed my career path. This was back in 2010, back when you couldn't buy a job in law enforcement back then. This Seriously? Was, this was, I remember going to different interviews and things, and you'd, you'd start out by doing a PT test, right, a physical agility test, and, and they'd run you through the motions, and there had to be hundreds of people applying for one position huh. just to get into law enforcement. So, and where was that? All over the state. I, I, applied, really? I applied all over the state. Uh, I probably had 50 different interviews. That's crazy. Throughout the course of a couple of years of applying and just retrying and retrying and fine tuning my, you know, interview skills and understanding, you know, what I had to do right, mm -hmm. to, to get into the profession and internships and, and all the rest of it to really just get my knowledge base up. 
Right. And that's crazy because, you know, we just had a sheriff, Tammy Sternard, in here not too long ago. And she was talking about they're they're not quite squeezed yet, but she was talking about those good old days when 100 applicants would be applying for one position. And now they get, you know, maybe a handful. Yeah. I remember thinking, you know, one of the funny things I always tell people is I remember thinking, boy, if I could have just outran somebody in the mile and a half, maybe I'll get a (laughs) shot at an interview before them, you know, and so... (laughs) Those were the times back then, right? And so, yeah, you, then you'd make it through the first interview. You'd go through a second interview. You'd go through a panel interview with fire and police commissions. And ultimately, I landed in Rothschild, Wisconsin. Where is that? Uh, which is a suburb of Wausau. Okay. And with the sheriff's office or? With the city city of Rothschild. Okay. Or it's the village of Rothschild. It was, it's a village. Okay. And you were a police officer? Correct. Yep. Okay. So as I went through their training program through several months, Something fell off, and I, I, I was equated to would it have been a career that I probably could have done, been successful at? I think absolutely, but something within me was telling me this isn't the right thing for you. Um, hmm. wasn't quite what I wanted to do, and I wasn't able to put my finger on it. But ultimately, it led me to the point where I thought, you know what, I'm going to take the advice I had heard from people who had been in this career too long and, and regretted it and, and not gotten out when they wanted to. And I uh, decided to make a hard decision. It was a very tough decision, especially at the time, hmm. because it's everything I ever, it's always what I wanted to do, right? It was, was sure. This is what I was set up for. This is what I was supposed to do. So to change my mindset to think, you know, maybe this is just not the right career for, for me. Mm-hmm. Again, could I have powered through it and been good at it? Yeah, but did I want to live that way my whole life, right? That takes so much courage. Congratulations. Thank it you. does. I mean, when you, when you are working that hard to do something that you think you're supposed to be doing for the rest of your life, your career, and then you get there and you're like, crap, this is not it. Right. And it all goes through your head. And, you know, I've talked to several people and I'm convinced now of it that uh, law enforcement really is a calling. Hmm. That career, you have to be built for that. There's no course of study. I mean, I went through all the study courses. I went through all the trainings, but it doesn't really get you ready for the real world you're really buying into a lifestyle. That's kind of what I talk about with our 911 center is, you know, public safety is really kind of a lifestyle Mm. and you need to be ready to to make that investment. And um, there's different niches within that, right? Mm. And I ultimately, once upon leaving, I went back to college in Green Bay, University of Wisconsin, Green Bay, and I stumbled into this emergency management thing. And I thought, well, what's this about? So did some research on it and I started looking into it more and I started realizing more about myself what my strengths were instead of just honing so much in on law enforcement because that's what I wanted to do. I didn't really think about what does Dan want to do. It mm-hmm. was just that's what I wanted, and so that's what I was going to attain. So once I did some self-reflecting, okay, what are my strengths? What am I good at? I started looking at this emergency management thing, and I thought, well, they do a lot of you know, pre-planning and logistics and organizational stuff. And I said, that's my thing. I love – I mean, my wife will tell you, you know. <laughs> Uh, I'm all about organization. Do you have a really and, organized closet? Yeah, yeah, give me, yeah, right, right to the, you know, I obsess over it sometimes. It's so just, are you the guy with the really clean garage? Got to have the clean car, the clean garage, <laughs> right? Pick up your plates, throw them in the dishwasher when you're done, right? We're folding oh, laundry. Man. So, but it, it all kind of translates into my personality style. And I thought, you know, I love being around the public safety side of things. But if I can kind of be in the shadows a little bit and, and kind of get them ready for the big day, right? Almost kind of like somebody, like an orchestra might, you know in the background, mm-hmm. like helping with curtain call or, or getting them ready to go, you go do the show, I'll get you ready for that. Sure. Right? So that was partly what intrigued me. And then being able to not only do that part of it, but then if something big did happen, I could still be reactive and I could still be 
a contributing member to that effort by helping them recover and rebuild from that big disaster. So it really fit all the buckets for me. And, and it ultimately started with my decision to leave law enforcement, which, again, I give everybody in law enforcement uh, all the kudos in the world for doing that job because it is a tough career. Mm-hmm. It can't be a bad thing that you have actual street experience when it comes to managing the call center. Yeah, yes yes, and no, it does. It gives you another side. We, we send all of our, our dispatchers through ride-alongs uh, for that very reason, right? Uh, whether it's law, law enforcement, fire, or EMS, we send them on with each of those different branches to make sure that they fully understand what it is that they're doing and how it impacts the other side. And, and Keeping that, for lack of a better word, camaraderie, that understanding of walking is very important in, in this field because a lot of what we do is just via interpersonal communications through radio systems, and we don't often get that face-to-face or that follow-up. So that is such a crucial part of what we do. And, and yeah, having that experience kind of helped me understand their side of it to bring it into the dispatch center a little bit. But then now as I've worked in the dispatch center, it's making sure that that link makes its way back out onto the road as well. Okay. Now the dispatch center is located at the justice center. And as everyone probably knows, when you call 911, those are the people that you're talking with. So it really does set off, trigger the entire public response system. Is is that pretty accurate of, of what they're doing? That's an accurate way of saying it. Yeah, anytime you call 911 or even if you call a non-emergency number, right? Maybe I've got a parked car that I want to let you guys know about or a loose animal or hey, there's a cow on the side of the road and it's loose out of the gate or something. You know, we take all those types of things. So it all funnels into the same center. And yeah, we are the, the starting point of any and every emergency, whether it's law enforcement, fire, EMS, uh, or other. It all starts with us. Okay. Now, you appeared before the joint committee. It was a finance, administrative, and judiciary, which is your oversight committee. This was last week to appeal to those three committees, county of door committees, for a better salary package in the hopes of being able to recruit and retain employees in the dispatch center. And what precipitated that is you normally, well, I guess generally you could have 12 people in that dispatch center, but you've never had that as you explained. And now you're dangerously low. I think it was six employees that you currently have and you have three shifts and you have a two staff minimum person per shift. Can you talk about the shortage? We are not unlike any other real agency department or really private sector business these days, right? This is uh not specifically related to just a dispatch problem, but there is a nationwide shortage of just workforce right now. What happens, though, is it's exacerbated by the fact that, as I mentioned, this is really more of a, a career, a lifestyle that you're buying into. And it's not just something that you can jump into and say, well, you know, I'll ho-hum into it and, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, fake my way through it or just coast, mm. right? This is a job that with standards and with training and experience and a lot rides on this this career. And so making sure somebody, again, has the will and desire to want to do this kind of work. And, and it's a tough, like I mentioned, public safety as a whole, it's 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 a tough road. But it, what it offers you is the ability to have great reward in your career. And that's mm-hmm. what we find a lot of people come to us when we ask them about why do you want to jump into something like this? And they want to make a difference. They want their career to mean something. They mm-hmm. want to have that feel of, and that's something that public safety is not cornered the market on, but it has a very strong influence, right? Everything it does makes a difference day in and day out. I don't care if it's a slow day and you help one person cross the street, you've made a difference in somebody's life that day. So from that standpoint, is very rewarding. But we've noticed, like as you mentioned, 
since I started in 2018, back in the day, I guess this kind of starts back to our original story about when I first got into law enforcement. Mm -hmm. The original kind of unwritten theory behind dispatch typically was a lot of people would start in dispatch centers back when I was going through it. You know, you might start in a dispatch center with the eventual hope to move to the road one day or move into a different sector within public safety. Okay, so it was considered an entry-level law enforcement position. In many ways, it was viewed that way, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and and a lot of people, you know, not for everybody, right? But for, you know, people that back then it was, you'd struggle to get in. Well, I'll put a couple years in the dispatch center. It's not a problem. Get some experience and ultimately move on. Well, over time, right, since Act 10 went through and, you know, a lot of these dispatch centers are, are... removed from the unions and, and right. collective bargaining and protective status. Now they're more viewed as clerical office, clerical workers. And this is the same what's being at the federal level. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're, they're classified under that. Which is kind of an interesting point. If we just, you know, back this up a little bit, this is a national problem, the shortage. It's not something that's just existing in Wisconsin. It's not something that's just existing in Door County. There is a national movement to try and make dispatch workers or telecommunicators a different category, a different classification at the federal level in order to be able to boost the salary, boost the benefits, boost, I guess, the perception of the position as what you're just talking about now. It's not an entry-level position. It's one that requires extensive training, it sounds like, one that requires a person to be able to do different things at one time in ways that a lot of positions would not require. Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned, you know, as we progress through this evolution, right, you start seeing, we had a lot of people that, especially when I got in here that were, you know, 20 years, 15, 20, 25 year careers in this. And we just don't see a lot of that these days. And in any field. In really any field, correct. Yeah, not unique to us, not unique to Door County. That's just, we just don't see a lot of that. So, as those folks started retiring out, we started bringing more people in. Some people try it, but now there's not necessarily that carrot, if you will, to say, well, I'm going to go to the road one day. I'll put in a couple of years. And these are more people that are trying it, saying, you know what, is this for me? Is this not for me? And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's it's hopefully getting people the understanding that this is not viewed the way it should be or was viewed back in the past, right? Mm. This is not a stepping stone. This is not a an end of the road kind of thing. This is something that you want to put time, effort, and energy into. Mm-hmm. And you're going to buy into the public safety lifestyle because it's not Monday through Friday. It's not, you know, casual hours. It's, you know, it can be nights. It can mean weekends. It can mean holidays. It can mean basketball tournaments missed. It can mean, right, different things. So a lot of people shy away from that and they get scared by that, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not considered maybe normal, right? Monday through Friday, nine to five. So that can steer a lot of people off right there, right? Is, you know what? We're moving into what we're seeing a lot of, of people wanting that work-life balance and and wanting that time. And, and it, we in, in, in the public safety world understand that, right? We understand how important that is to make sure that you take time for yourself. So we're looking at ways to make that more optimized. But at the end of the day, I can't promise you that you're going to get every weekend off and I can't promise you that you're going to get every Christmas off and I can't promise you we're going to do our best, right? You're not going to necessarily have to work everything all the time, right? But there's this expectation that you are available when needed. And so because of the nature of the work that we do is so critical. Okay. So as we moved forward, right, you start seeing my whole hope with 911 centers and and kind of the unique perspective that I had pre you know, 2010 versus now is I want to shape the narrative differently. Uh, I remember talking to another county and they they put out their recruitment video and 
in the video it talked about how it was kind of a play on you know when so god made a farmer that whole thing and, and so he needs somebody who needed to work 24 7 365 so we hired a dispatcher right the sheriff hired a dispatcher mm. and he mm-hmm. needed somebody that would give up family time so we hired a dispatcher right and it's a great message right but again our our real battle cry this was this was their promotional video this was their you know we want to recruit you in and they're giving them all the negatives uh-huh. right <laughs> and there's so who's going to want to apply for that right so you know i'm hoping that we can change the narrative that this is all the good things that can come out of this career too mm-hmm. and not just because i think 911 and that got a bad rap from its history right to now of well, it's an entry-level job that's got terrible hours and low pay and they're not really respected well and things like that to have, no, this is a public safety profession. These are professionals who are just as much part of the public safety system as any of the other major three branches and change that narrative to say, you know what? No, these guys are here at the table, just like everybody else, and they contribute just as much as everybody else. Okay. And so that's what the uh, salary increase, which if the full county board, we're, we're recording this on Monday, and the full county board was, was going to be taking this up on Tuesday, though it did receive committee recommendations. So the salary was increased, I think it was $27 an hour for starting. And it's got a bit of a bump um, if you're on the second or the third shift and the vacation days were increased. So it does definitely coincide with a career package versus this is just a job. But can you talk a little bit about what they actually do? You made an interesting point when you were talking to the joint committee about how there is no show, there is no cops, a reality TV show for dispatchers. And normally when you hear of dispatchers, it's on one of those shows and it's not often flattering. It's normally the mistakes that they make or, you know, people say, how could they have said that? Why did they do that? You know, so it's not necessarily given a very good light and it's not dramatic. It, it doesn't seem exciting. And yet it's so necessary in order to start the whole process. So can you talk about what they do? If I'm sitting there in the dispatch center, what is my, what is my day like? What is my night like? Sure. That answer is going to vary depending on which center you go to, but I'll, I'll specifically For yours. tell you about our center, right? Mm-hmm. So our center, it's a small center, right? Door County is a smaller county just by population, right? So there's just not as many, we, we base our, our numbers based on call volume which has been steadily increasing over the years. So at some point, these numbers might go up. But right now, we've got a minimum of two people in the dispatch center at any given time. For how many calls? We run about 50,000 calls a year. 50,000 calls a year. Yeah. Okay. That's a combination between uh, 911 calls and non-emergency line. Got it. And right? so what is the difference between 911 and non-emergency? I mean, in terms of the numbers. 911 is probably a third of that. Okay. Give All or right. Take. So the majority would be for the non-emergency. Yeah, correct. Yeah, okay. but those it, those numbers can be a little bit deceiving for the fact that we have 911 calls that are 911 hangups that are uh, not, no right. emergency at all. Mm-hmm. And I've got a lot of non-emergency calls that come in as something that is an emergency, right? That, oh, I meant to call 911 and I just didn't know where to go. I started here. Right. And those 911 hangups, I know that they, especially in the summertime, I mean, you see them in the call reports. I get the media reports every day from the sheriff's office. And so many of them are the 911 hangups. And you still have to do the same things that you would normally do for a regular 911, correct? Yeah, and it's just out of, um, if anybody's heard of the Denise Amber Lee story, that story is very powerful, and that's 
I mean, t- take one look at that story and that'll tell you why, you know, we follow up with these types of things because, you know, again, 99.9% of them are probably harmless, but we can't, we cannot miss that one call that is an issue. Yeah. And just refresh our memory on what that is. But a 911 hang up is basically somebody has inadvertently called if their phone is through their watch or through their phone, you know, they've sat on it or dropped it. Somehow they've triggered the 911, correct? Yeah. Between phones and, and iWatches, typically mm-hmm. are our biggest culprits. Technology has made it just easier to call 911 now through different shortcuts um, right. in these phones and things and watches. Mm-hmm. And that just creates a problem for us when it comes to, oh, I accidentally did it. I'm on the bumper cars. I'm, you know, mowing my lawn and a phone was in my cup holder in my in my car and it held the right two buttons down for five seconds and it called. So we get a lot of that. Sure. Um, it, it has, we've done some promotional efforts in the last several months to really drive in that point of, hey, make sure you're checking this on your device. If you don't know how to find it, talk to your carrier to make sure you know where it is and, and um, how to disable it if you don't want to have it as a feature, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least be aware of it so that you know if you want to keep it on, just know that this is a thing. Sure. And you do that and you have to follow up on all of those because of that case. Not specifically because of that case, but I think it's, I think it's a good and what was the case? case study for it. it Denise Amberley's story was essentially, uh, it's heartbreaking, but uh, in a nutshell, she was kidnapped and held in the back of a car and she was able to get access to her phone and call 911 and several attempts on and off the while she was in the trunk of the car. And, but it was her calling 911. There were several mistakes by 911 at mm. that time. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to spoil it all, but essentially sure. it's because the, the guy who puts it on it is, is a great presenter at this. Uh, he's mm. the husband of the, of the mother who uh, she ultimately was, was killed. Mm. But it was through that, that was a nine, it was essentially would be treated like a 911 hangout, right? So they get the call, open line, they don't hear anything, it hangs up. You know, if we just take that as, oh, somebody accidentally dialed 911 and we don't follow up on it, right? There's a point in that story where the law enforcement officer drives right by the car that she's in, Mm, not even knowing she's back there. So So you um, really do have to make sure that you get to the bottom of every one of those 911 hangups. You just never know what's on the other end of that line. Mm -hmm. And um, again, I talked about 50,000 is the number, right? That's that's just 50,000 people that need our help in some way. It might be something as simple as I need a report. Can you transfer me to the right person? It could be, you know, I just need to see an officer about this issue, that issue, whatever. Or it could be I'm having a heart attack, you know, all the way up. So uh, you just never know what's on the other end of the line, depending on when they're calling. Um, that's why we're always got to be at the ready and have okay. people there that can assist you. What are the busiest shifts? It's pretty much consistent. I would say our second shift really from generally 2P to 10P. And if you want to narrow it down even further, it's probably closer to three to seven. Okay. It's probably our most busy time just based on call volume. Hmm. Why is that? What drives three to seven? That's kind of surprising. I would have thought it would have been later in the evening for some reason. Yeah, certainly. I mean, Friday nights certainly get their shake, Mm -hmm. right? And things like that. But overall, grand scheme, our night shift is actually one of our slower shifts. Oh. Um, It just, um, most people are sleeping, right? And but I don't know, second shift, you know, it's a lot of traffic, mm-hmm. you know, people coming home from work or had a long day, another home. I, I couldn't tell you why. I okay. guess I don't have any data to back it up, but sure. I, I can tell you just, I run monthly reports on call volume um, mm-hmm. every single month and that's pretty, it's pretty consistent. Okay. Yeah. It sounds to me like it could be a position where you're really, really bored and then suddenly everything is really, really incredibly exciting. You're exactly right. It's it. 
it's a position where you have to be able to go from zero to a hundred very quickly, right? And be able to instantaneously move from one thing to the next. So you talked about what do we do in a daily life? Yes. So we have two main positions. Uh, one person is a phone taker position. One person's main duty is a radio position. And okay. so that's, you know, interacting with the uh, officers via radio. So it's not the same person. So the call comes into one person and then the other person is the one who's interfacing with the law enforcement. Yep. Then they hand it off and the partner takes it over from there and gets them to the right place. Now, okay. but when you call 911, both dispatchers pick up. Oh. So they both are listening to what you're saying. Okay. So it's important because a lot of people, you know, they think, well, if I'm talking to somebody and they're gathering my information, nothing's happening, right? But that's not the case. The other dispatchers on the other line in the background hearing everything going on and they're giving it out to the right person in real time. Okay. Right. So, you know, if it's a medical incident or something like that, our dispatchers, there's things they have to get information for, right? Your name, your date of birth or whatever. Just make sure we got the right place, get the right address in there. Mm-hmm. They're going to take some time to make sure that they got that right. Because if they get the wrong address or something like that, you know, then we could have a mistake in our hands. But mm-hmm. So they're going to take an extra second to make sure they got all the information that it's all correct. Meanwhile, the other dispatcher, once they have that information, is going to be giving it out instantly. And the, other, the dispatcher might stay on the phone with you for a little bit. Once they've collected the information, then they might stay on the phone. If it's a medical thing, they might stay on just to make sure that everything's okay, nothing's changing, um, that sort of thing. All the while, while the other dispatcher can update the units. Okay. So both positions need the other person as a backup for their main position, right? Mm. For what I mean by that is, right, if the 911 call comes in on position one, but a second one comes in, now maybe I do need a breakaway and the second dispatcher pulls up the second 911 call. Mm. And they're kind of the, the support to the phone position. Meanwhile, the radio position might be so tied up with radio traffic that the phone position might not have a phone call coming and they'll pick up the extra slack from the overflow from the radio position if they're overwhelmed. So okay. it's a lot of partners working together. Mm-hmm. What happens if a third call comes in? You answer them. So typically those types of calls are usually like large car accidents, right? Maybe on a major highway, you get three or four or five calls mm. about the same incident. Mm-hmm. So as long as we're able to pick up the call, understand, okay, is this the same accident we're dealing with? Figure that out. Okay, we've got the information. We've got another call online. We can let you go. We can put that call down and, and get that dispatched out. So that's typically where we see that kind of thing. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kewanee counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. Now, I've only called 911 once in my life, and that was when I was living in uh, South Dakota, on a gravel road and our nearest neighbor was a mile and a half away. And we noticed that a car was parked across the street, which is a field with the lights trained on our house. So we called 911 and the dispatcher was just really amazing. I mean, she made me feel a lot better. You know, they dispatch people, they stayed on the phone with us. So she was, you know, really remarkable, but I I don't know. Uh, I've, you know, I've never, that was the only time that I've ever contacted a dispatcher, but do they put people on hold? Not, I mean, not during an emergency. No. Okay. I mean, if, so if they're calling, if people are calling and they're not available to answer the call, like how does that work? So our biggest thing is you're going to prioritize, right? So what you're going to do is 
if I've got a call coming in and I'm going to make sure I get that call, at least dispatch, get help on their way, right? In very rare circumstances, if we absolutely had a flood of calls and we maybe got more calls than two people can handle, right? You might have to get put on hold, but we're going to get your help out the door okay. right away, right? Okay. So, but two normally is able to handle it. Two is normally able to handle whatever, again, okay. again, short of generally the, right, the major accidents and stuff, we can usually diagnose, okay, where's your, where's the accident at? Okay, it's the same intersection and that kind of thing. So we can kind of quickly piece together. This is not a different emergency call. We can put that one to the side and move on. Okay. Do they have to text as well? Or is it strictly phone and radio communications? Right now, our dispatch center does not have the ability to take in text to 911. It okay. is a it is an ability out there. I know Brown County has that ability. But looking at uh, the cost of it mm-hmm. and the actual number of times Brown County actually even gets texts. It's, there's just not a lot of volume there really mm-hmm. at all. And um, we're certainly looking at it, but for right now, it's just not a, not a function we're bringing on. Okay. But I, I would shoot, I would, I would assume in the future we would, we would be bringing it in at some point. Okay. So how many people, how many dispatchers do you have right now? Full time? We have uh, six of our 12 positions covered okay. through dispatchers. Now covered meaning you and no, uh, uh, through, through full-time hired okay. on dispatchers. Okay. Correct. So you've got six and I, I believe that I heard that you never want to go below eight. Ideally, well, ideally, we don't want to go below nine. Nine, okay. nine is really our number. There's kind of two different numbers to look at here, and, and not to get too confusing. But essentially, nine puts us in a position where all three shifts are covered. Okay. In terms of there's no holes within the schedule. Because if somebody calls in sick, then right. you need to be able to fill that position. Right. So once you drop below nine, then you have maybe a vacant position. Mm-hmm. And that's where that vacant position then needs to be absorbed by broken up by each each person takes a little bit of that pie. Okay. And helps kind of cover some of those positions. The further you drop down, the more of those little pieces of pie need to get divvied up between the remaining people, and that's where things can start getting overwhelming. So our communication supervisor is in rotation now, so she's taking up a spot. Hmm. So that brings us up to seven. And then I fill in where I can to cover as much of those other two vacancies as I can. Okay. While also trying to balance right the other aspects of the job that I have to that I have to do. But, right, which sounds um, kind of crazy. Right, so that thus kind of the the dire need of this is that, right, we're in a spot where we don't ever want to be mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that we never go to again. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'll do what I can, right, and, and that sort of thing in terms from a dispatching perspective, but, you know, longer term, it's we got to figure out how to, how to recruit, attract, retain uh, these folks. Okay, and, and, and so, so, you know, when we get to, once we get above nine, right, then we're in a, we're in a spot where, Maybe we can put a third person on the floor. We have that ability once we get above nine to do that. So that kind of solves our, um, right? We talked about two being the minimum. Well, yeah, that's the minimum. Ideally, three would be great because then we have that built-in capacity, right? If we do ever have what you talked about earlier, right? Now I've got more 911 calls coming in. We can handle that capacity fairly easily, and it's not a not a big deal. But two is the minimum, mm-hmm. right? So once we get above nine, like I said, nine and above is gives us the ability of that third person. So if somebody does call in sick, for example, or somebody's taking a vacation, we can drop back down to two mm-hmm. and be just fine rather than, okay, we're at one. Now we have to fill this hole immediately with overtime and maybe person coming in a day off or something. Sure. Now you said that it, there is a three to four month training period to bring somebody in on new. Yeah. If you're coming in off the street, no background, no experience, anything in public safety, you're probably looking down a period of three to four months, four, okay. probably more likely to four. And that's simply for the fact that 
there's just a lot of information up front to learn. And again, I, I mentioned it before, it, this is really kind of like joining into a new lifestyle, right? If you're not used to this type of thing, mm-hmm. you're gonna be learning a new language. You're gonna learn what 10 codes are. You're gonna learn a phonetic alphabet, al, you know, A atom. You know, so you're gonna hear, learn how to talk on a radio in a public safety way. It's almost like learning a new language in some ways. Hmm. We're trying to get more, in, as, as a public safety world, we're trying to move a little bit more to plain language. It's just easier. But as it stands today, there's still plenty of, you know, codes and alphabets. And, and it, some of it is just based around trying to prevent miscommunication, right, over a radio with all this kind of thing. You need 10 codes to make sure you're hearing the right thing. Mm-hmm. A Adam versus, you know, B boy or D David, which one was it, right? So to give you that kind of reassurance, I got the right letters, so I'm putting the right things in. Okay. So it's not even a quick process once you do actually get a qualified candidate and make an offer, it's accepted. It's still a pretty long process before you've got somebody in that position. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, it, it's no guarantee that you, just because you're in that it's going to work out, right? Sure. You still have to, once you get into this and you see, you know, everything's in front of you and you're actually doing the work, making sure that you're going to be successful at it. Right. Okay. So we put you through a program, we put you with a trainer, so you're not, you're not alone, but we give you a, a trainer that's, that's dedicated to you that will work you through every step of the process. We give you a little bit by little bit. We don't kind of hit you with everything at once, mm-hmm. give you the time to grow. And, and my thing is, is as long as we're seeing growth, that's what's important. I don't focus so much on, well, it's four months, so we got to, it's now or never, right? As long as we're seeing that growth and that continued effort by somebody, we're going to, we're going to work with you. But there's times where people just, they come to the realization themselves or whatever. And they say, you know what, maybe this isn't what I thought it was when I signed up. Mm-hmm. So the, all of the same things that could happen. Just like um, any job. Yeah. Right. But mm-hmm. because it is a completely different world, as you said, a different, a completely different skill set than most people will have learned, then it might be a lot more challenging. And on top of that, you also talked about, you know, the things that are impacting other employers trying to hire, which is housing and the housing shortage, childcare. I think you talked about one employee that uh, is looking for a place up here who wants to be here but cannot. I, I can't recall if that if that were a new hire or if it were somebody that you were looking at to hire. It, yeah, it's one who's currently with us. But okay. It's, her story is not unique to her. We've, had, we've sure. had that quite a bit just in my branch alone. Not to mention, I'm sure, between all the departments in the county. Right? Yeah. So. I know even, you know, before we hire somebody, we're always thinking, you know, oof, you know, if it's somebody who's already up here, it's a lot more attractive, obviously, because we know that, you know, that need is going to be met. Right. And, and like I said, you know, buying into this lifestyle, right, it, it's different because, okay, we tell you it's nice weekends, holidays, that's all great. And you say, you know what, I'm ready, I'm committed, I'm ready to do this. And then maybe you work your first summer and that first 4th of July comes around you didn't get to go to, right? The first barbecue comes that you have to miss. Mm. And it becomes a little bit more real for some people, right? And so maybe it's that first, maybe you get off Thanksgiving, but you had to work Christmas and you like Christmas more than Thanksgiving. So you sure. had, and it's the first time you really had to really endure it. Wow, it kind of sounds like the newspaper industry. we always the paper always comes out doesn't matter what the uh it doesn't matter what the holiday is and i can tell you even in our industry there are a lot of people who are like what i have to work on thanksgiving 
I have to go take photos on Christmas, you know, when other people are having a good time where they're observing those people having a good time. So you're the opposite. When other people are in trouble, you know, you're the ones that they're relying upon. I I wanted, we could probably talk a lot more about this topic. I did want to just bring up one thing, and that was a couple of readers were asking about remote possibilities in order to be able to handle the shortage, at least in the interim. Is that possible? Yes and no. The technology exists to be able to take phone calls right from the home Mm -hmm. where the challenge becomes operationally is, like I said, you're with your partner. So it's just if for our standpoint, right, us is a little bit different than maybe a Brown County. Mm. Brown County, they run about seven or eight, nine people on a floor together where your role might just be the call taker or your role is just the call taker. They break those things up. So if you're only responsible for taking the phone call, getting into the system, and then you don't have to worry about it anymore, that's a much more realistic expectation. People do that from home. Okay, but not in Dora County. So it's really not set up yet for Dora County. If you and your your partner are each other's backups for both items. So you need to be able to do everything together and be able to talk to each other and... And that's just not doable from a remote situation. Okay. And so even though you do have the shortage right now, is this a a crisis in terms of calls simply won't be answered? Or how does the sheriff's office help? Do you have a backup in Brown County? How how does this work? Yeah, we do. uh, Brown County is our backup center. So if, if our center was to ever go down for some reason, and we've had this in the past, we flip a switch and then our, our calls transfer to Brown County. Okay. Um, and That's then obviously not optimal. Not optimal. Nope. They answer the call and then they send us a message back saying, here's your call and we give it out to the appropriate person. So a longer wait period. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, right? And in, in terms of public safety, it's a long time, right? Seconds sure. matter, right? But yeah, it's, it's, it's not you know, sub- 10 minutes or anything, but it's a minute or two might make the difference. So yeah, it's a little bit longer, but that's if our center went down for some reason. The sheriff's office, I've been working with them on potential ways that we can, they, they can help us, okay. right? In terms of where can we just find bodies that are just used to this public safety thing, right? Mm-hmm. That just understand it, that, you know, we can kind of get in there get them trained. It's not a guarantee that they're going to necessarily be good at dispatching, but you know, at least explore that option and see what, what we've got available. And so working with the sheriff's office, we ended up coming up with a short-term solution in that several of the jail staff that are interested are going to come down that uh, to help us out and train. And where the jail staff, where they're part-times in the jail, they'll, they'll come down full-time by us. Oh, and so that'll okay. allow them kind of an opportunity to get full-time work, which is what they're looking for, and help us out in the in the short term. And then over the course of a year, be able to help us. And then after the year is up, they can go back in the jail and, and go full-time in the jail. So oh, okay. it's a good it's a good uh, win-win for everybody in that sense. Mm-hmm. And my hope is, is that uh, a couple of those folks will, will kind of buy us the time to start promoting this message more of what I'm talking about, this $27 an hour thing. Really, to me, is the county's way of saying, we're here now, we're, we, are, we see what you're doing we value you as public safety, just like everybody else, the way it should be. And you're at the table now. And so my hope is, is that peaks enough curiosity for people to start looking into this as a career and say, you know what? No, this is, this is not just entry-level admin type work. This is long-term career. I can see myself here for 15, 20 years. And, you know, you pair that with good benefits, which we're seeing a lot of people just don't always think about benefits. I mean, back when I went through it, benefits was what brought somebody to a county, right? Mm. That was because you had such good benefits, right? You know, being able to promote this 
with everything that it has to offer and and show them hey this is what you know if you if you come in here you can come in with no college right we'll take you with a high school diploma mm-hmm. so if you want to come in with you know saving on college debt um, I know college is getting really expensive these days you know people that are oh, I don't really know what I want to do do I want to go for business do I want to do this you know just like electricians and plumbers and things you can come in well no college debt you can make 27 bucks an hour and be ahead of the game at you know in your early 20s you can be off and running in your career and by you know 40 45 50 i mean you'd be you could be set up really well and sure. and be in a spot that a lot of people would envy by that age and you know if only people who are coming out of high school actually thought about the future like that but you think right. yeah it's it's always difficult but with that salary i mean it also could attract people who are in their 40s who are looking for a new career it is now a high enough you know hourly rate that you may have people who are, you know, in that later stage whose children are already grown, so they don't have those types of responsibilities. So it, it kind of opens the door to a, to a lot of different types of people. So we do hope that this works. And again, the full county board was going to be weighing in on this uh, on Tuesday, the day after we recorded this. So I've been speaking with Dan Kane. Thanks so much for coming up into Bailey's Harbor from Sturgeon Bay. And he is the Director of Emergency Management and Communications. And we've been talking about the shortage at the 911 Dispatch Center. It sounds like they've got it covered, but it is definitely a critical shortage right now. And they're looking for people. So you have been listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. My name is Deb Fitzgerald, editor of The Pulse. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.